Welcome to the Trademark Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to hear our message today. Another thing we would love is for you to join us in person, whether that's live, online, or if you're local to DFW, come visit our location in Fort Worth, Texas. For service times, location, and everything you need to know, visit trademark.church. We hope today's message encourages you and helps you live a more fulfilling life in Jesus. Awesome. Come on, why don't you look at the person sitting next to you really quick. Tell them, say, I'm so glad you made it to church. <clears throat> look at the other person that you didn't want to talk to and uh, tell them, say, you look great today. You look great today. You look great today. Hey, how many of you love your pastors? You love Pastor Landon and Brittany? Come on, you could do better than that. You guys are so blessed. Um, you have some of the best, uh, p- best pastors and I'm so grateful for, for them, for their friendship. I just, you know, when you were up here, Pastor Landon, I was just thinking, I love your authenticity and sincerity and just his genuine heart for the Lord. And it just, you can sense it, you see it. And <clears throat> that's a good quality to have in a pastor, right? That he loves Jesus and you, you can sense it, you can see it. And you can, you can literally, you can sense the presence of God in this place. Even earlier when we were having our, our rally or the huddle out there, you just could sense the presence of God is in this house. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. You know, the, the unfortunate thing is that I, I travel all over and I've been to some churches where it can seem a little flat. It can almost seem like there's not a hunger in the house. Uh, but I'm here to tell you that I can sense there is a hunger in this house for the presence of God. And it's a beautiful thing. Uh, one, of the, one, of, one of the prerequisites, one of the requirements for seeing a move of God is hunger in the hearts of people. Uh, is a heart that is hungry for more of Jesus, a heart that is not hungry for just another church service or another program, but hungry to see the spirit of God move. And it's in this house. And so I just want to tell you, I sense it. I see it. I love it. I may even move from Nashville to come here and be with you. Okay. Um, I used to live here. I lived, uh, I lived over in Grapevine for about three and a half, four years, was on staff at a church uh, here and then planted a church in San Francisco. And now I live in Nashville and I'm serving churches all over North America uh, through an organization called Sidecar Leader, as Pastor Landon mentioned. And we get the honor to get to, to serve your church. And um, I love the vision of this house. I love the mission and the cause behind this church. And I love what God's doing. And I, I truly, I believe this. I'm not just saying this. I, I really believe that you guys are on the brink of something and, and you're on the, literally on a threshold. It's almost like I see trademark stepping over a threshold into something new, like a breakthrough or something. I don't know what it is, but it's like you're right on the edge of something. It's already amazing what God's doing, but you're right on the edge. And I just, I'm, I'm so excited to get to have a front row seat and to see that. So Pastor Landon, thank you for allowing us to get to serve uh, this beautiful church. Well, if you have your Bibles, will you, uh, will you turn with me over to the book of Ephesians? And you got to forgive me for having a stool up here. I, I, I'm, I've been sick this week. I almost didn't make it. I had to take a COVID test Friday. How I many? You know, I, I told somebody the other day. They said, "Have you ever got, have you ever had COVID?" I said, "Man, I had COVID back in 2008. What are you talking about?" You know. <clears throat> but I was sick all this week. I didn't think I was going to make it. And I, I called Pastor Landon. I said, I got a negative test back. I'm on my way. I'm coming. But I said, you got to have me a stool in case I need to sit down for a little bit. So, uh, but we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter four and uh, bring greetings on behalf of my wife and my kids. Uh, we've been married now we're going on 18 years in May. And uh, yeah, married my high school sweetheart. And uh, I, was in, I was in high school and this beautiful girl showed up there. And I just, I was scoping and hoping. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I was... I was like, I got to go introduce myself to this girl. And we started dating. We've been dating now for, gosh, like 25 years. 
uh, married for almost 18 years, and we have three beautiful children, two boys, uh, 10 and 13, and then a little girl that she'll be four in May. And uh, so I bring greetings on behalf of my family. I, I can't wait for the day they get to come here. But I was thinking about this. I, I want to speak to you on a very lighthearted subject today. Very easy. Just write it down. Unforgiveness. Very lighthearted. It's going to be just a, a really humorous talk today. Uh, but I really sense that that was what I was supposed to talk about. I was praying about it this week. I really sense um, that this is, a, this is a particular topic that, here's what I know, is that some of you in here, you need to hear this today. Um, that you need, to, you need to experience the grace of God and you need to extend the grace of God to someone in your life. There's some of you here today, you, you need to hear this message. Uh, I'm gonna pray in just a second. And, and if you're like, this is too, too tender, you may wanna slip out because God's gonna speak directly to you today. Um, so some of you, you need to hear it today. Some of you, you needed this message years ago um, and you finally were able to forgive someone. For some of you, listen, you're gonna need this message in about two years. Uh, for some of you, it's gonna be in 15, 20 years. And I'm just telling you, this is a message that at some point, every single one of us, we're going to have to walk this path and this journey, unfortunately, because it's part of the human experience. Part of the human experience is feeling hurt and to feel offended or to feel wounded by someone because how many know that there's no perfect people? Can you say amen? Come on, look at the person sitting next to you. Tell them, say, I'm not perfect. And tell them, say, and neither are you. We're not perfect. There's only one person that's perfect, and that's Jesus, right? And I'm, I'm so thankful that this isn't a church filled with perfect people. This is, this is a church filled with forgiven people. A church filled with people that have been saved by the grace of God. People that have been redeemed by the mercy and the grace and the compassion of Jesus. And so, but the unfortunate thing is that at some point you're going to need this message. For some of you, it, it, it is today. But here's what I'm, my prayer is for you today, is that you would hear from heaven and that the grace and love of God would fill your heart and that he will empower you by his spirit to release grace to someone that you need to release grace to. Ephesians chapter four is what we're going to jump into um, and, and this scripture, this, this particular scripture, I've titled this Turn the Page. This, this talk is called Turn the Page. I started to title it Get Over It, but that sounded a little too insensitive. <clears throat> and so, so Turn the Page is the idea of like, it's, let's not get stuck in the story, right? Let's turn the page. Let's move forward. But this particular verse, these verses of scripture, <clears throat> they transform my life. I believe that if I were probably to write a book, I don't know if I ever will, but this will probably be right at the very beginning of the book because this has radically transformed my life and it, and it actually brought freedom in my life through the form of forgiveness, experiencing grace, experiencing forgiveness, and then being empowered by God to extend forgiveness to someone that deeply hurt me. But the interesting thing is, is that it transformed my life when I was younger. And then for some reason, I, I keep going back to the scripture because again, it's part of the human experience. I've just found that it's so easy to live our lives and to continue to get hurt by people. And so God has continued to use these verses really to massage his grace into my heart. And it's become a, the fabric of kind of who I am now today. And I don't always get it right. Uh, but when I do, I'm so thankful for the truths that are found in the scripture. It's written by the apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter four. He says this, Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, even on Twitter, you know, Facebook. 
the subtweets, get rid of the subtweets, as well as all types of evil behavior. He, he has this list. It's not even comprehensive. He's, he's saying when the direction of your emotions and your life are going in this direction, you need to get rid of all that. Get rid of it. It says you need to turn the page. Verse 32. Instead, instead, be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. Tender hearted. He said you got to have a soft heart. See, life is, is, it can be so hard at times. People can wound us and hurt us and it can cause our hearts to become hard. He says, you need to have a tender heart towards people. Forgiving one another. Just as, somebody underline that, just as, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It can seem a bit like Paul is insensitive, almost like, He's just telling them, you just need to get rid of it. Just get over it. Just get over being bitter and mad and angry. Like, just, just come on, just get over it. It can almost seem like he's, he's lacking empathy and compassion. But when you understand that the apostle Paul, in this particular set of verses that he has written, he's speaking to the Ephesians, the Christians there. He actually calls them earlier in this chapter, children of the light. Meaning you're no longer living in the dark. You've had the lights turned on by the grace and mercy of God. Like you're not living like the rest of the world. You are children of the light now. And he goes on and he says, and you don't need to, you don't need to live in such a way that grieves the Holy Spirit. Do you know that one of the things that can keep us from experiencing a move of God is actually when we live with bitterness, unforgiveness, and resentment in our lives. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Instead, he says this, you need to get rid of all the bitterness and the anger and the, the harsh words and the resentment and the slander and the gossip, you got to get it out of your life. It can almost seem like he's being insensitive until you understand that this is a man that is not writing this letter from, from Maui sipping on a Mai Tai. He's writing it from prison. This is a man who has been abandoned by some of his closest friends This is a man that has been stoned. This is a man that has been shipwrecked numerous times. This is a man that has been beaten because of his faith for just preaching the gospel of Jesus to people. This is a man who has has been slandered by even some of his contemporaries. This is a man that has every right to be angry and to be mad. Every right to say things to hurt other people. Every right to, to, instead of using his pen to write letters of encouragement, he has every right to, to let, let it go to the press and let people's dirty laundry get aired out. But instead he says, you know what? Trust me, guys. If I've learned anything, it's not the life you want to live. But Jason, you don't know what they did to me. Listen, I, 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 I'm just telling you. Paul says, this is not the way that you want to live your life. Why? Because it will keep you stuck in a rut. Have you ever met those people that are just stuck? It's almost like their life got stuck in that moment of trauma or stuck in that moment of offense or pain. And now it permeates all the other areas of their life. It's just, it's so easy to get stuck. And Paul says, I don't want you to get stuck. I need you to get over this. And here's my question for you. Have you ever noticed there's just some things that are just hard to get over? You know, Paul's saying you got to get over it. I mean, there's some things that are hard to get over. And I'm not even talking about just offense. I mean, my first, my first love, I, the first time I fell in love, I fell in love with this girl. I think I was in eighth, eighth grade. Her name was Mandy. I fell head over heels. She was unbelievable, beautiful. I fell in love with this girl. Two weeks after we started dating, she broke up with me for my brother. She started dating 
my brother, two weeks later. I couldn't, get, guys, I could not get over this. I couldn't get over it. I remember this, this was back in like, I was in eighth grade, this is a long time ago. This is back, it was so long ago, it was back when I had a waterbed. You remember waterbeds? Some of y'all young folks don't even know what I'm talking about. I remember I couldn't get over it and I would listen to Mariah Carey, I'll be there. I'd be crying on that waterbed, face sticking to it. Tears, just cheeks sticking to the waterbed. Just couldn't get over it. Girl, dump me for my brother. What kind of, he's a pastor now, thank God. I've forgiven him. She said, glory to God. There's, there's some things that are just, gosh, this is so hard to get over. Your first breakup, you know, there's, you know, you, you see something in your food that should not be in your food. You, you know, you've ever seen a hair in your food. You just can't get over that. How many in here, you just pick it out and keep eating. I mean, y'all need Jesus. Y'all need counseling. I cannot get over that. I send it back. Matter of fact, I leave the restaurant. Some things are just hard to get over in life. And what I've found is that when someone's hurt you, it doesn't matter if it's, if it was a betrayal. It doesn't matter if it was adultery or your spouse cheated on you. It doesn't matter if it was just a boss embarrassed you and shamed you publicly in front of your employees. It, it doesn't matter the, the scope of it. The, it hurts. When it hurts, it doesn't matter how big it is. It just hurts. And it's hard to get over it. Have, have you ever been in that place where someone hurt you and it was just hard to get over it. Some of you today, you're feeling that. And I just wonder why is that, that it's so hard to get over? I begin to think about this in my own life. Why is it that it's so hard when someone has hurt you, said something that they shouldn't have said or did not say something that they should have said, done something that they should not have done, or maybe they did not do something that they should have done and it wounds you in the very core of who you are. Why is it so hard to get over it? I would, I, would, I would assume that it's because when someone offends you, when someone wounds you, when someone betrays you, there's this sense on the inside of you in your interior life that something was stolen from you and robbed from you. It's almost like a debt has now been accrued that their offense has now created a debt and, and you won't let them off the hook until they pay you back. That's why it's called payback, payback. For me, my, my father was a, a minister, a Christian minister, and um, he, his life began to unravel at the seams, and he had multiple affairs, and my mom would leave him and then come back just wanting to hold our family together, and she just would try to work it out, and they'd go through counseling. It was back and forth and back and forth, and finally, my father became physically and emotionally and verbally abusive to my mother and to our family, uh, to the point where my mom lived in a battered women's shelter, and I lived with my high school football coach for a season. And I remember the only way I can describe what I felt from my father was, was that he owed me because he stole something from me. And what he stole from me was he robbed a normal childhood from me. He robbed our family from just being normal. And the payback was this, is I'll never speak to him ever again. I'll never talk to him. I'll, I will never speak to him. And when I finally get married, he won't come to my wedding. And whenever I have kids, he'll never speak to his grandkids. That's how he'll pay for it. Payback. See, offense creates a debt. When you're sexually abused, you have this sense that your innocence was stolen from you. Physical, emotional, or verbal abuse, you have this sense that your dignity and your humanity has been robbed and taken away. When your parents divorce, you have the sense that your childhood was robbed from you. It's not normal. When a friend betrays you, you have this sense that you were taken advantage of. 
When someone gossips about you, there's this sense that the respect that you deserve was robbed from you. And listen, offense brings on hurt and hurt creates a debt and someone has to pay for it, but it shouldn't be me. My dad hurt me and that payback was, I'll never speak to him again. And this is where forgiveness comes in. You see, forgiveness is simply, a, it's, it's actually, it's a financial term. It, it actually just means this, to cancel the debt. It means to cancel the debt. It's simply canceling a debt. For, forgiveness is a decision to cancel a debt that someone has created by hurting you and declaring this, listen, you don't owe me anymore. Debt canceled. I didn't talk to my dad for years. Finally became a Christian and God began to deal with me about forgiving my father when I was about 18. And I said, well, God, I've forgiven him in my heart. You know, never done that before. I've forgiven him in my heart, but I don't have to talk to him. God continued to deal with me until I finally, I became a minister. I was a youth pastor and it was actually in India. I stood up and I preached to a crowd of 70,000 people, preached, the gospel of grace, the gospel of forgiveness. And I got on a plane flying back from India and I read Ephesians chapter four. The Lord spoke to me so clearly, he said, Jason, how are you going to be in the profession of forgiveness and not actually practice forgiveness? How are you going to be in the business of grace and you're not actually going to be a practitioner of grace? The Lord began to speak to me, said specifically, he says, I want you to meet with your father and I I want you to say something specifically to him. I want you to look him in the eyes and I want you to look him in the eyes and say this, dad, debt canceled. You don't know me anymore. I met with my dad and we had a two hour conversation. And at the very end of it, I looked at him and and I said, dad, I want to say something to you. And, and he immediately began to, to have tears stream down his face. And he says, no son, listen to me. And he began to say, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I did this. And I just stopped him. I said, dad, listen, I have one thing that I wanted to tell you is that I'm sorry for all the things I've done to you. I'm sorry for being silent all these years. I want you to hear this. Debt canceled. You don't owe me anymore. When I released grace, grace released me. Someone needed to hear that today. There's someone that has a debt that you're holding and you need to cancel the debt. They don't owe you anymore. But Jason, why? Why should I forgive them? Why? I'll tell you why. First reason is this, because unforgiveness, it hurts you the most. Unforgiveness hurts you the most. See, your unforgiveness will turn to bitterness and your bitterness will bring trouble to your life. I love what Hebrews chapter 12 says, watch out the admonition, watch out, be on the lookout for this, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. I want you to notice a few things. First, he says that bitterness is poisonous. Joyce Meyer says it like this, bitterness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Bitter people are no fun to be around. They're always negative. They're always mean. They're always hurtful. You got to notice that it says bitterness. Also, it says in that text in Hebrews, it says that it's a root and it will grow, which means bitterness and unforgiveness will never stay a small thing. 
it will grow and it will grow and it will grow and it will literally, the root of it will choke the joy, the life, the vitality, the vision, the purpose. It will choke it all out of your life. And he says, you got to watch out for it. Don't let it grow. In other words, you know what he's saying? As soon as someone hurts you, if there's a seed of pain and hurt and trauma, don't let it take root in your life and begin to grow. Deal with it immediately. Don't let it stay there. Don't let that story continue to ruminate in your mind. Don't keep rehearsing it because the the more you rehearse it, the more you hold on to it, it will begin to grow all around your life. And though you're mad at this one person, it'll come out in in your marriage. Though you're angry and hurt by this one person, it's going to come out at work. Though you're hurt by this one person, the bitterness, it's a poison and it will permeate every area of your life. He says, watch out. Don't do it. It's going to trouble you. I was a troubled young man when I was 15. When our family fell apart, I, I, I didn't deal with it. And I knew I needed to deal with it. I'd been, I grew up in church. I mean, I was at church every Sunday, Sunday night. That felt like there was a revival every week. There was like, I slept underneath the pews at church. I mean, I was a church kid. I was a PK. I was always at church. So I knew this isn't God's fault. This isn't my mom's fault. This is, this is I knew I needed to forgive, but I, I just thought I'm not going to do it. And I held on to the hurt and I held on to the pain. And from 15 to 18, I was such a troubled young man. I became so angry and so mean and just every person, I began to destroy every relationship in my life. Everyone began to hate me because I was so just incredibly toxic because I didn't deal with the bitterness. And I remember this one particular night, I was probably about 16 years old. I was at a party and and, and I was just kind of in a, a daze. I was so, so toxic and so like, have you, ever, have you ever been like that? You have something that's so troubling you. You're somewhere, but you're not actually there. It's like you're not even present. And I was at this party and it was like I wasn't even there. And something rose up on the inside of me. And out of nowhere, I got in this fight and I just hit this guy and just kept hitting this guy. And it was the most shocking thing at this party. And I remember, I remember this. I'd never been in a fight before other than my brother. We'd fight. We'd scrap all the time, right? That's what kids do. Brothers do. Siblings do that. But this was our first real fight, and I beat this guy senseless. And I walked around the, the, the back of this house, and I remember being in between two air conditioner units, and I just slid down, and I just began to weep and cry. It was like a deep, guttural cry just coming out. And it was like I'd been stuffing all of this toxic pain and brokenness and bitterness. But I was crying not because I was hurting. I was crying because for the first time I felt, I felt I didn't feel the pain after I hurt another person. And now looking back, it made me realize because for the next few years, I kept fighting and fighting and fighting and was in and out of jail, picked up three felonies and 13 misdemeanors, all for fighting. Thank God we don't put my credentials on any church wall, right? Some of you are like, Landon, you got this guy to preach to us? But I realized that the more that I made other people hurt, it would anesthetize my own hurt and pain. It's a temporary solution, but that's what I was doing. And that is what the cycle is. We're hurt. We don't deal with it. It, it, is, it becomes unforgiveness. The unforgiveness becomes bitterness. The bitterness becomes anger. And then we hurt someone else. And it's, it's a perpetual cycle, not just in our life, but watch this. Because of the human condition and our propensity and proclivity to harbor unforgiveness, 
when we hurt someone else, the potential is, is, is that the cycle starts with them as well. And then the cycle is everywhere in our community and we have communities that are harboring unforgiveness and anger and bitterness. And the only thing that can break the cycle is grace and forgiveness. You see, I began to turn into the very thing that I hated. And I remember talking to a counselor and he looked at me. Yeah, I actually now know that he was my father's counselor as well. It was a small town I lived in. At the time I didn't know he was my dad's counselor, but he looked at me one day. I was so angry. And he looked at me, he said, son, he goes, you know what? The man that you resent, you now resemble. And if you don't choose forgiveness, you're gonna be just like your father. See, if you don't forgive the person that has hurt you, the one that you resent, you will eventually resemble. Why should you forgive? Because unforgiveness, it hurts you the most. The second reason is this, because you're gonna need forgiveness again one day. You're gonna need forgiveness again. Trust me, you're going to need grace at some point. Look at what Matthew chapter six, Jesus told us when we pray, we should pray like this. Just think about this. I want you to just listen to this. He says, when you pray, I want you to say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, our sin, our offense. Forgive us our debts as we, just as we also have forgiven our debtors, those who have sinned against us. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to really pray that prayer? Lord, forgive me in the same way that I have forgiven people. God, extend grace to me in the same way that I've extended grace to my uncle, my spouse, my boss. God, I want you to forgive me to the same measure and the same degree that I have, I have I've bestowed grace and forgiveness and released mercy to other people, my offenders and my, my oppressors or my, 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 the people that have hurt me the most, the way that I've forgiven them to that same measure, God, I want you to forgive me. Uh, you know the text uh, in the scriptures, uh, give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Tell me, you know, everybody knows that in church because most preachers, they use it to talk about money. <clears throat> and, um, and the reality is, is that when you read the context, you know what context means? It means with the text. It's the text around the text. So if you just pluck out, give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give back to you and you'll be running over, all that stuff. If you take that and you apply it to money, you've actually missed the point because the text around the text is not about money, it's about mercy. So give mercy and it shall be given to you. Give grace and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. How many of you would love grace running over in your life? How many of you need the mercy of God running over in your life? He says, extend the grace. Extend the mercy that, that man, you, 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 you hope comes back into your life. Matthew 11, Jesus also said, but when you are praying, first, look at this, first, forgive anyone you were holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. Now, let me, let me just be crystal clear. We know when we, read, when we read the entirety of scripture that there is this, there's this idea throughout all of scripture that we are saved by grace through faith alone. It's solo gratia, grace alone. 
It's, it's all grace. It's, it's the grace of God that's how, why we're saved. We're forgiven, not because we do anything to earn it. It is unmerited. It is by the grace of God. And so when we read this text, then we have to read it in the backdrop of the totality of Scripture, knowing that it's obvious that we are saved by grace and we don't do anything to get forgiveness. But there is some correlation that Jesus make, is making between between us being forgiven and us extending forgiveness. There's something in the nature of forgiven people that there is an expectation that if, if God forgives us, he expects for us to forgive other people. There is some new standard. There is some, 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 some higher call to live and as grace people that have received it, that we now, we, we extend it to other people. See, if hurt people hurt people, then maybe Jesus' point is this, forgiven people, forgive people. Hurt people hurt people, then forgiven people, they forgive people. I'll never forget, there was one of my mentors. Um, he's still a mentor today, uh, spiritual father, but probably in 2013 or 2012, um, some, some things happened and he really hurt me, really wounded me. Wounded a lot of people that were kind of in his ecosystem. And you know, he's human. He just, he, he made a bad decision, but I put probably too much, uh, too much of my faith in, in a, in a person, which by the way, if you do that, people are going to let you down. God will never let you down, but people will. Okay. But I put probably too much, probably prop this particular spiritual leader up too high on a pedestal. And, and it really wounded me. It hurt me big time. And I was so angry at him and I was, I was so mad. I didn't talk to him for a couple of weeks and when I finally did, I, I said some things I really regretted, but I was, uh, I was so mad at him. And, and I remember sitting down at this dinner and I was actually at your parents' church and it was with a mutual friend of ours, uh, Natalie, and we're sitting around in the green room having dinner and this guest speaker that was there, he did not know what was going on. He didn't know, but I'm sitting there just with all this bitterness in my heart and I'm, I'm ruminating on what my my mentor had done. And this guest speaker is in the, like mid bite eating and he just drops his fork and he looks up and he goes, we should extend the grace we hope we someday never need. And he started back eating. I'm like, really God? I can't even enjoy some chicken today. I went back to my hotel room, canceled my flight. I knew I needed to stay another night. I needed to be in the presence of God because I knew that God needed to do a work in my heart. And I needed to extend the grace that I hope I someday never need. See, here's the reality is that someday you're gonna need forgiveness. Someday you're gonna need grace. But today sow seeds of grace that you'll reap a harvest of grace maybe another day. I hope you never need it, but you probably will. Matthew 5, another place just to get practical with you and I'll, I'll hurry. Jesus says this. He says, you've heard that it is said, that, that it was once said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. See, that, that feels right, doesn't it? Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. It actually feels intuitive. When someone is mean to you, be mean back. Reciprocity, Right? Someone wounds you, wound them back. Someone punches you, punch them back. It feels right. And Jesus says, that's kind of what you've heard. That, that is the culture of this world. They hurt you, cancel them. They say something you don't like, cancel them. He says, no, 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 not my kingdom. 
He says this, you've heard that you love your neighbor and you hate your enemy. He said, but here's what I wanna tell you to do with your enemies. The people that have hurt you and wounded you, the people that when you think of them, it makes your blood pressure go up. He says, I say that you should love your enemies. So counterintuitive, this kingdom that he calls us to. He says, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Don't talk about them behind their back. Don't, don't, I know what they did, but don't say things. He says, bless them. Just choose to bless them. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. He says, let the goodness of God come up out of your heart and do, just do good. Bless and love. And he says this, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. To which you read this and you go, Jesus, really? This, when I think about that person, like I hope that you get, if there's someone that you need to forgive right now, get a picture of their face in, in your mind right now and, and listen to the words of Jesus. Love them. Bless them. Don't curse them. Don't cancel them. Love them. Bless them. Do good to them. And for some of you, you're like, I can't. To which I would say this, if you can't love them yet, if you can't bless them yet, if you can't do good yet, here's one good starting point. Pray for them. You know what turned my heart towards my father? Prayer. I actually moved into a neighborhood, a, a city of 250,000 people, and I moved into a neighborhood when I was 22 years old. When I was unpacking my boxes, I saw my dad and his new wife riding bicycles down the street. And I found out that I actually moved Five houses down from my father. Really, God? Who does that? For two years, I, I slept five houses down from my dad and didn't speak to him. But it was whenever I began to pray and pray and pray. I read this verse, begin to pray. The prayers at first sounded like this. God, I just pray you bless him. Amen. Some of you are like, I'm gonna pray for that person that hurt me. I'm gonna pray they get hemorrhoids or COVID, right? <laughs> I began to pray for my dad and I began to just pray and pray. And the prayers got longer. My heart got softer. I began to pray for my dad's marriage. God bless Joey, bless my dad, bless Ruth, bless, bless Daniel, bless Sarah. Begin to pray for their new family. It was hard. But the grace of Jesus began to fill my heart, soften my heart, and prepared me to go in person to the place I'd already gone in prayer. For some of you, you needed to hear this today is that the reason you haven't been able to go and forgive that person in person is because you first need to go there in prayer. Where you, we need to go first in prayer before we can ever go in person. And God will give you grace. Here's the first step. You just got to choose grace. And here's why. I'm, I'm, this is very simple, right? It sounds so rudimentary. Choose grace. Underline choose. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a decision. I had to choose. I will forgive my father because I will not have a generational cycle within my family. The cross broke the curse so that I can break the cycle. I will not have a root of bitterness passed down to my kids. I will not have this be cancer in my marriage. 
I will not have this destroy my future and the purposes of God for my life. I choose to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. You just make a decision. Some of you, this may be the starting point for you is open your journal tomorrow or today and just write down, I choose grace and I make a decision to forgive and write the person's name down. Some of you, that may be the starting point for you and begin to pray and pray and pray and God will do a work in your heart. But let me tell you, this is the only way it's gonna happen. You, you will never be able to forgive a person to the degree that Jesus calls us to forgive as long as you continue to focus on what the person did to you. And that's why going back to Ephesians 4, the apostle Paul says this, you wanna get rid of the anger, you wanna get rid of the bitterness, you wanna get rid of the resentment, the unforgiveness, the slander, all the, the hate, you wanna get rid of it, here's how. You're gonna be kind, tenderhearted, and you're gonna forgive just as, just as what, as long as they promise they'll never do it again? Just as long as they pay back for what they've done to you? just as long as they pay back the money that they owe you, just as long as you never have to speak to them again. No, he says, forgive just as your heavenly father through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Here's what he's saying. Stop focusing on what they did. Focus on what Jesus has done. The power for you to forgive is found not in focusing on the offense and the hurt, but focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, our father has forgiven us because of Jesus. Here's how. Because God the father no longer focuses on what we have done, but on what he has done. This is how the father forgives you. And this is how we forgive the people that have hurt us. Is I'm not going to focus on what my father did. I'm not going to focus on what my spouse did. I'm not going to focus on what my, 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 my uncle did. I'm not going to focus on what my boss did. Jesus, I'm going to focus on what you have done. You gave your life. You, you were beaten. You were broken. And you, your blood was poured out for me. And I don't deserve it. All the sin and all the foolishness and the life that I lived before. But you saved me by your grace and by your mercy. And I didn't deserve it. And it was unmerited. But you've loved me. And you've poured your unconditional favor on my life. And because of that, I say thank you. And I come back over here. And I could never hold them hostage because of what you have done to me. Forgive just as your heavenly father, Christ Jesus, has forgiven you. You got to choose grace, but you got to fix your focus. You got to fix your focus. Don't focus on what they did. You'll never be able to forgive them as long as you keep focusing on what they did. Listen, grace and forgiveness does not minimize what they did. What they did was wrong. Grace does not minimize what they've done. It magnifies what God has done. It magnifies the grace of God in your life. Listen to me. You will never be called upon to extend any more grace than God has already extended to you. My prayer was may God's grace come upon you and may it have the power to extravagantly eclipse the offense of others when you choose to focus not on what they've done, but on what God has done. Colossians 3 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. C.S. Lewis said, to be Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable. Aren't you thankful for God's grace? 
I want you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you. I hope this message wasn't too heavy, but I hope it was helpful. I want to do something that's going to take courage. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Most of the time, the reason why we won't forgive is really it's, it's pride. Pride is a, a part of it. And here's what I mean. That when, when we choose not to forgive other people, the pride is, is, a, is really an inner self-righteousness is that we, we think that we're better than that person and that we don't need grace or we're not a bad person. And, and what humility is, humility says, I know I'm not perfect and I know I need grace. And that's, what, that's part of what helps us to forgive other people. But here's what I wanna do. If, if you're here today, it takes boldness and courage, but I'm believing that this is a, a big step. No one's looking around. I never wanna embarrass you. This is more of an, an activation moment for you between you and God. But it's today you say, I have someone that I need to forgive. I have someone that has a debt and I'm holding it. I don't want to hold it anymore. I'm going to count to three and I want you just to stand on your feet and I'm going to pray for you. And I've never said this before and I don't think there's anything special about me, but I feel like this message is sort of part of Part of why the Lord allowed me to walk through some of the things he's allowed me to walk through is so that I could, I could help other people experience freedom through grace like this. Sort of a life message almost. And my prayer is that in this moment, if you'll take that step of faith, I'm gonna pray for you and I'm, I'm gonna pray that God's supernatural grace would begin to flood your heart and that he'd bring healing where there needs to be healing bring freedom where there needs to be freedom. So I'm going to count to three. I'm going to have you stand. Holy Spirit, I pray for your conviction. I pray for your compassion. I pray for your guidance. I pray for your courage to fill hearts that need to take a stand. Literally, they're standing for grace. One, I know what they did hurt. Two, I know it's been really hard. Three, God's going to give you grace. I want you to stand on your feet. Thank you. Thank you so much. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your grace that you have given us through Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for laying down your life for us. We thank you for the cross, for your mercy. Though we have done so many things wrong, though we have sinned so many times, and yet your mercy is new every morning, 
though we fall short, though we make many mistakes, your love is unconditional and your grace continues to pour over us like a waterfall, never quenched, never running dry. And so out of the abundance of your grace, we just ask you right now to come. Will you fill every heart where there needs to be broken pieces mended? Will you mend the broken pieces of their hearts? God, where there needs to be the healing work of your spirit, will you bring healing? Where things need to be uprooted, I pray that right now by your spirit, you begin to give them the strength even to identify exactly what happened, identify the emotions that they felt and God, they just surrender it to you, just give it to you right now. God, we give you our hearts. We hold nothing back. We give it to you. And, and just out of your own, in your own way, in your own, out of your own heart, just, just, just say, God, I give this to you. I give this person to you. I give this hurt to you. Help me. Give me your grace. Choose today to be a man and a woman or a woman of forgiveness. I choose that. I choose it. I choose to be a person of grace and forgiveness, not held back by bitterness, offense, or hurt. Come, Holy Spirit. The rest of us, could we stand on our feet right now? God, we just come to you and we thank you for your work in our hearts. For those that may be here that don't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that they would hear your call. They commit their life to following you, Jesus. We love you. We honor you today. We thank you for your work in our lives. And we thank you that he who began a, a, a good work, a new work in us is faithful to complete it and finish it. And so every person that has started this process of forgiveness and grace, God, I thank you that it's not just them starting it. It's you. You're instigating it. You're initiating it. You're starting it and you're going to complete it. God, I pray for even the coming days and weeks for strength to have conversations that need to be had. God, I pray for, for just a work to be done. God, I pray for reconciliation and I pray that testimonies and stories will even come out of this today. We thank you for it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Trademark Church Podcast. If this message inspired you today, feel free to share with friends, leave a rating, and subscribe so you don't miss any of our weekly messages. This podcast and everything that we do at Trademark Church is only possible because of the generosity of those that call Trademark Church home. If you would like to give to the work that God is doing through Trademark, please visit trademark.church. Thanks again for checking out the podcast, and we'll see you soon.